0: caleb
1: and i'm elise
0: and you're listening to happily scary a horror podcast for newlyweds and of course for nearly deads elise we are back after like what (laughs) i don't know a six month hiatus It
1: feels like it's been years
0: i think late october i think halloween kills was the last episode we did and, uh, you know, someone told me that most podcasts fizzle out before 10 episodes, and I think we got to five before we took an extremely long Yeah, we had a good break. run.
1: Well, to be fair, I was having a hip surgery. Now, did I have the hip surgery right when we fizzled out? No, but still, so here that a, counts. Let's
0: give like kind of a, a very... Timeline? Very quick timeline. Okay. Uh, so it was... Thanksgiving was coming up, and we were planning for that.
1: Oh, yeah. We had one we were going to do for Thanksgiving. And
0: we got booster shots, and you felt kind of lousy after that for a Mm -hmm. little while. And then the holidays were here, and it's just busy because I'm a pastor, of course. And so that's a busy season for us and just for family. And for
1: normal people. And
0: for normal people. Um, But my job is Mm Christmas-related. And uh, and then January, you had your hip surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. And it probably would have actually been a good time to record since you were sitting around so much for...
1: But I couldn't sit upright. But
0: you couldn't sit close to a microphone. So
1: that would have been a challenge to try to be fully vertical, I mean horizontal. Yeah. (laughs) And to be trying to turn my head and... Anyways, it just wasn't a good time.
0: And so you had to recover that, recover from that for a couple months
1: yeah. And it then took longer uh, than I thought. And then
0: just life kept happening. We had we had man, we had weddings that we were a part of. We had mm-hmm. funerals that we were a part of. Yeah. So life just went on. And so uh we kept talking every week for like three months. Hey, let's do the podcast. And
1: yeah, we brought it up a lot. We
0: brought we talked about we I thought think we, about you guys. We probably could have filled a whole episode of just clips of us saying, Hey, we should do the podcast soon. Like we a should whole have done an hour that. long episode of segments of us over the past six months talking about it. So anyways, we've been gone for a while, but we're glad to be back. And today we are talking about a movie that we just got back from seeing at the theater, a movie called Men, directed by Alex Garland. If you're hearing noises in the background, it's either one of two things. It's the neighbor's dog that's barking. Um, Incessantly, which, which I I hear out of the corner of my ears sometimes.
1: The corner of your ears, the corner of my
0: ears, just the corner.
1: <laughs> no, you're not a the corner central part ears. where
0: the hole is, but like you know, kind of the oh, the
1: top, like the, the cartilage. Yeah,
0: the cartilage, the upper cartilage is where I do most of my hearing personally. Maybe it's
1: because it's curved. There's an echo. I think
0: so. Um, the lobe, you would think, oh, that probably catches I think some it sound ab- waves. It ab-
1: yeah, absorbs because it's fatty.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, it's. Uh, well, hang on now. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, it's probably the dog or it's our cat who is currently licking a laundry basket. Just, one of her,
1: just normal things. One of
0: her favorite things to do. I think it's because it feels good to scratch her tongue. Yeah, it's a, it's
1: a texture thing.
0: So she just loves to stick her tongue through the little holes in the laundry basket. <laughs> it uh, it it's, it's pretty unsettling to we just watch. Her. We do love her. It's not her shining moment.
1: You think it's cute, though. It is
0: cute, but you, know, you never look at her and think, no, that's a smart cat. No, no, no. She's a cute cat. I've though.
1: never said she's smart.
0: <laughs> so we're talking about Men today, directed by Alex Garland, who also did uh, Ex Machina, which I really liked, and Annihilation, which controversially, I didn't really care for that movie. I know you haven't seen it yet. Mm-mm. Maybe I need to rewatch it. And, uh, and maybe I'll watch it. Yeah.
1: It's not horror, is it?
0: Yeah. It's like sci-fi horror. It's pretty heavy on the horror. Okay. Um, but Alex Garland's also written some movies. I really do like Sunshine, which is kind of a sci-fi thriller set in space. Uh, 28 Days Later, which we did watch.
1: Oh, we did watch that. We did
0: watch that over our, uh, six month hiatus just for fun. (laughs) And, um, oh, the Judge Dredd movie with, um, Carl Urban dread i know you haven't seen that i'm just talking about things that i know sure. Alex Garland yeah. from um and then he directed this movie men was was released by a24 and uh yeah it's an a24 horror movie so if you like that uh, if you like that genre then you'll probably find something likable about it or if you find it insufferable which a lot of people do about a24 movies uh, you're probably going to feel that way about this movie too
1: yeah, I actually I'd be interested to hear from people about if a twenty four is like just an absolute no go for them. Yeah, is let that us a thing. Like, yeah,
0: let us know how you feel about a twenty four. It feels like there are a lot of film nerds that a twenty four. I feel like I saw a TikTok recently where a guy was talking about a movie. Maybe he was talking about like Goodfellas or something. Since R. I. P. Ray Liotta just died from Goodfellas and a variety of other films. And uh, he was talking about him and wearing an A24 hat. And that really annoyed me <laughs> for some reason. Oh. I hmm. just thought it. it. just felt very film broy to me. You yeah. Know?
1: They have like a full line of products you can buy. Yeah. Like things that represent their movies. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like you're in the right movie genre for that kind of thing. Yeah. Installing so it, stuff. it definitely has
0: like a fan base. Yeah. That's kind of like hipstery and... Borderline insufferable, I think. Uh, yeah. But you know, there are some good things that come out of A24. I think The Witch and
1: Oh was that A24? and
0: Hereditary. Yeah, I feel like well, those I know were,
1: hereditary Those was. were
0: early ones, and yeah. later ones have not been as stellar, in my opinion. But, anyways, that should give you kind of an idea of what you're in for the sort of elevated horror genre, which is very popular right now. Um, but I guess we should have our friend who has also been on hiatus.
1: I can't remember his name.
0: It's Todd.
1: Okay. And great. would you
0: believe the only reason I remembered his name is because I started re to one of our episodes recently. Oh, okay. Just to see what it was like.
1: Narcissist. We s-
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it was funny because I was actually on another podcast recently. Shout out to my friends over in Birmingham, Alabama. Shades Midweek is the name of their podcast. Um, It is a church I used to work at, and they have kind of like a, on Wednesdays, they release just sort of a a culture and current events podcast where they just talk about what's going on in the world and things that are coming out. And they had me on as an expert to talk about the Batman. Uh, And so. And I'm
1: glad they did because I think that helped us, you know, get back on our podcast schedule because. They were plugging it, and you were like, "Yeah, oh, we don't have much to plug right now because yeah. we've been on like." A break. So,
0: what's the name of your podcast? They asked several times. You we are like, I don't even
1: a- remember, actually. <laughs> huh? Uh, I'll think yeah. about it.
0: Um, so I was like, "Oh man, that's going to be embarrassing to say that we uh, we have a podcast that we haven't recorded anything for for six months." So, yeah. thanks to those guys, that was a good conversation. It's called Shades Midweek. Um, they have me on to talk about the Batman. So, if you are interested in hearing. My discussion about that with some close friends of mine. You could go listen to that. But yeah. let's get back to Todd.
1: Todd oh, right. is, a,
0: is a hero of ours.
1: Of course we're calling on a man <laughs> to do this job.
0: Well, the reason why is because Todd is a very particular kind of man. Mm-hmm. Todd is the uh, the film bro uh, YouTuber that does all the explainer videos. And uh, it's a very specific kind of man. He's got a specific cadence to his voice. Uh, some people would say it's, um, it's a shrill, annoying, affected cadence. Oh, not me. But
1: not me. I
0: would say it's beautiful and rich and lustrous. Um, but anyways, we always have Todd come on uh, to... Uh... <sighs> this is still such a dumb bit. We have Todd come on to read the title of the movie, uh, the tagline or the subtitle. And then the the letterboxed summary of the movie, the blurb about the
1: movie. Does Todd ever throw in his own opinion or he just straight reads from letterbox?
0: No, he's just parroting back what he has heard from other people say. Like okay. most film bros. Yeah. You know, okay. Just just regurgitating stuff that we already know. Great. Kind of like what I do on this podcast, uh-huh. for instance. Okay. <laughs> so Todd, tell us about the movie. What are we, what are we in for? Men. What haunts you will find you. In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as a simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare, inhabited by her darkest memories and fears.
1: Thank you so much, Todd. Todd, man. It's always a pleasure.
0: It's been a while, but you haven't lost any of the quality. So thank you so
1: much. Uh, Narcissist. Oh, yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to jump into what we have been doing. Um, And that is talking about the movie through our grid of (laughs) likes. I want to keep that in. We're going to talk about the movie through the grid of likes. Gripes and tropes.
1: I do think we reverse the order a little bit.
0: Gripes, Gripes likes, likes tropes. And tropes. Okay. Let's okay. do it that way. Sure. That's how
1: I have it written. So I think that's how we Very do it. Very
0: professional production we have here.
1: <laughs> we never said it was professional.
0: That's true. Brothers, we're not professional. Don't gaslight me. Um. Okay. Well, Elise, since this movie, when we wa- left the theater, um, really, I think you were more interested in it. Maybe not interested, more affected by it. F- found it uh, more, it, uh, it resounded with you more, maybe, than me. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what you didn't like about
1: the movie? You're mansplaining about what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be. This is good. Oh, this is going to be so bad. Because I'm I'm just trying to
0: be like a gracious host. I
1: know. I know. I'm just kidding.
0: Like trying to keep the conversation moving so we don't get bogged down. And I'm mansplaining right now. I know
1: you're explaining about why (laughs) you're mansplaining.
0: Tell me your gripes about this movie.
1: Okay. So it just feels interesting to plunge right into it. But here we go. Um, My gripes relate more to. The imagery that's so gruesome that I have to look away and, or like put my hand up and like block certain parts of the screen, Uh that happened a lot for this movie. And I, I feel like I have a decently strong stomach yeah, and I watch s- a lot of stuff. You're
0: not squeamish about stuff.
1: Usually, so. but there's certain things that get me and I feel like I w- was the same way with
0: uh, Oh, um... I always
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that movie, I was the same way where I was like, I think uh, it's crossing a line that I don't, that doesn't usually get crossed. Usually it's not that bad. Or I don't know, maybe it's just me and specific images.
0: It's disturbing. Me. Like there's like, it goes beyond like regular schlock and gore and
1: yeah. horror movies. Like, yeah.
0: You can see a lot of really kind of fakey exploitation stuff from the 80s that just feels over the top and yeah not, yeah but, but there's something about this that's more psychologically Ooh, unsettling. it's just
1: it's extra yeah. and it's hard to look at and I don't know I guess it's just a gripe because I want to be able to fully watch the movie and I feel like if I have to keep my hand half covering my eyes then I'm not getting the full experience, but I can't. Were watch you doing all that a lot
0: in the movie though? Or was it just like certain parts that you felt like you were
1: so reacting against? We've got a lot of wrist slicing. And I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I that's never it never goes well for me. So yeah. maybe that's just personal. Um we got a lot of snapped ankle. Really hate that. Yeah. Don't like to see the body parts go in a different way than the other body parts. Yeah. But I feel like this was worse than normal. You know, you yeah. could have a body part going somewhere else and it doesn't look like that crazy, but this seemed like too real. Uh, and then we had the classic birthing scenes. Yeah, there that were was so many uh many of them.
0: That was probably that was the most over-the-top uh Scene in the whole movie.
1: I feel like it was like, what's the worst thing we could show you? Like, let's let's brainstorm about that. And that I was guess we should like kind
0: with. of give the. That's plot what I'm saying. It, it does feel like of, I'm
1: kind of just plunging into stuff that we haven't even addressed quite yet. So
0: the vague plot of the movie is that the main character whose name is Harper. Harper, yeah. Harper is. um Grieving the loss of her estranged husband that committed suicide. Um, Harper is played by Jesse Buckley and her husband, whose name was James. uh, Papa Esidu. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, But they had a strained relationship and we get in flashbacks what happened with them. They were fighting. Their marriage was falling apart. Um, At one point in their fighting, he actually hits her in the face.
1: It's like a full punch. Yeah,
0: full-on punch. And her nose bleeds. And that was the breaking point for them. And he, as they were talking about getting a divorce and she was pushing for that, he said they would literally kill himself if she did that. And he actually did. He jumped off the roof of their um, apartment building. And when you see his body, which is in a flashback, but pretty early in the movie uh the the fence outside the metal fence the spike at the top is driven through his wrist i wondered if there was supposed to be any sort of um sort of crucifixion jesus imagery in there like he's he's giving himself like a messianic complex you know like hmm. i'm dying for you kind of i don't know that could be my own or saint sebastian that the classical um uh, figure of him being strung up to a tree and shot full of arrows kind of looked like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his, yeah, his leg was broken and his head was like, kind of like caved in at a certain yeah. point. So it was Mashed. really, it was really like a gruesome scene. Uh, but in order to kind of get away from that and recover and recoup, she moves to this, uh, out to the country to this, this estate, I guess she's renting it. I'm not sure they, yeah, I
1: think it's just supposed to be like a vacation for her mental health.
0: Yeah. And so she's at this big, beautiful manor And um, and she gets there and she meets the owner um, or the caretaker uh, whose name is Jeffrey. And he's played by Rory Kinnear. Now, Rory Kinnear, I actually know mostly from a lot of people probably know him from some of the more recent James Bond movies. I actually know him from he played Frankenstein's monster in, um, oh gosh, oh Dread, uh, uh, Penny Dreadful—that was the name of the show. Oh, Did you ever okay. watch that?
1: No, you told me to like years ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh,
0: it's kind of an interesting. It takes all the Victorian monsters, the Jekyll and Hyde, the um, you know um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, kind of puts them all in one world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played the monster, and he was really kind of remarkable in that because he had a very gentle side which you could see in some of his characters that he plays and I say characters plural because he plays a variety of different men in this movie Uh, but he also had kind of an insane and violent side which we definitely saw him play Um, but long story short Harper goes to stay here and certain unsettling things start to happen when she goes out in the woods and she's just exploring and um she finds this tunnel and she just makes kind of, you know, noises in it and echoes and sings, but at the end of the tunnel she sees some man stand up and and starts to chase her and she runs and and it's a naked guy. And to our sight it looks like it's Jeffrey, it's Rory Kinnear, but it's not the same person. And as the story To be fair,
1: to me it did not <laughs> I did not notice that.
0: Sure, yeah. Um his face does when you but he, hes they give him different characteristics. But then you see that every man that she encounters in this village is played by Rory Kinnear. Now, they're all different people. She never acknowledges that they almost all look identical. But we see a theme developing of, like, these men, the titular men, the eponymous men, <laughs> all share some, like, trait or share some, like something in common Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of makes them unsettling. Um, And then of course, lots of them have violent outbursts at her and there's a lot of supernatural or like psychologically, um, you know, unhinged things happening. So we're never really sure like if this is reality or it's surreal or whatever, but through all of that, you see some really violent stuff. Um gory, you know, uh, dismembering, and mm-hmm. um, one of the guys gets tries to assault her, and she stabs him through the the forearm and and his hand is in a mail slot, and so when he pulls his hand through the mail slot, it cuts the rest of the hand open, and so you see his like half skewered hand flailing for the next thirty minutes of the movie. And every different man that he plays. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of gross stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I'll let you get back to Gripes. Just now that we've set the scene for...
1: Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I pretty much finished. I just think that there's a lot of very gruesome images that are hard to look at. And I, I wanted to recommend this movie to some people as I was watching. And then towards the end... I thought, you know, this is too much for m- every person that I was thinking
0: of. Do you think you could recommend it to people, but with a caveat, like, it gets pretty bananas at the end? No. Oh, interesting.
1: Not the people I would recommend it oh, to. Oh,
0: gotcha, gotcha. It
1: yeah. just would be too much. Yeah. I, I mean, th- people watch The Walking Dead, and they're like, oh... Zombies biting into somebody, you know, that's too much. I mean, if that's too much, you're not going to be able to handle anything.
0: That probably is more gory, but the kind of stuff that you see in this is more disturbing. Yeah. Because it's so unnatural and surreal.
1: Yeah. 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 What about you?
0: Uh, For me, I think my gripes are that, um, well, I was just talking with a friend about this just a few minutes ago. Uh, texting about this, um, he was asking how the movie was, and I said it wasn't my favorite. And again, Alex Garland, I, well, I think I like him better as a writer than a director. Um, and I, this movie, I, I mean, obviously the the metaphor. It's called Men, and it's one actor that plays all these different men, and they all have these. They're all different types of personalities, but they all have this like really terrible misogyny. Mm-hmm. And uh, a different way that they approach women where it's like, you owe me entertainment. Like, you know, a child like wants her to play hide and seek um, and she won't do it. And then he calls her vulgar words or a priest or a vicar wants her to talk about her problems. And, and when she won't do it in the way that he wants, he wants her to blame herself essentially. And, and then he later confronts her and says like, You've put these lustful thoughts in my mind and and it's your fault that I'm feeling this way. And so everybody, all the men in the movie, um, don't treat her like a full person. They just have these really um, deeply sexist ways of interacting, interacting with her. And that's what links them all in common. So I think the metaphor of the movie is that there's something in Western culture where men are excused for the ways in which they treat women like they're insane or objects to be used. And that's a totally valid critique. And it's really, it's really well needed in our day and age. I think the only problem is that that metaphor is so, this movie wears it on its sleeve so heavily that I'm thinking, is there more of a layer to this than I'm that? I mean, like, is there something more subtle that I'm supposed to be getting? And I just don't think there is.
1: So you're, Gripe is that it's too on the nose for you? Yeah,
0: yeah. I just think it's like it. It's like it doesn't leave much room to the imagination. There's not really a lot of reason to try to pick it apart and interpret it. It just seems very like an obvious thing.
1: I think there was plenty of stuff to have to figure out and interpret because it's. Yeah, there, it's yes. so. There are many confusing things that, you know, make us wanna get on YouTube and, and watch videos, like what did this specific thing mean, or what is this imagery supposed to represent? Blah 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 blah.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess just like the overall theme of like the problem of Western male misogyny just seems so obvious that there was I was hoping there was an angle to it that I hadn't considered. Or there was an argument that was being made that I hadn't seen. Um, But I just felt like it was all pretty clear. Like if you you came into... I feel like if you watched the trailer and heard the title of the movie, you kind of predicted what you were going to get. You know? Mm. Like, in fact, in my recollection, watching the trailer and then watching this movie, I kind of got what I was expecting. Like there was no big twists or turns except for that ending scene with the, the, the continuous chains of birth that we'll talk about in a bit, mm-hmm. um, which was unbelievable to watch. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I just I could have gone for a little more subtlety, a little more, you know, hiding the, like a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It's just something that would make me want to rewatch this and see something I'd never seen before. Like to understand it in a brand new way. I'm not. I'm just not sure. For me personally, okay. like I would gain a lot from going back and rewatching it. I probably won't. This is probably the last time I'll ever see it. Um, so that's just me.
1: R.I.P. men.
0: Yeah, R.I.P. men. You heard it here. I do not like men. <laughs> you can take that in whatever the full semantic range. It's one of my professors. Well,
1: when you added say. men to your watch list yeah. on Letterboxd, I said, you got something you want to tell me? <laughs>
0: What about you for likes? Now, you said when we were walking out of the theater that you did like it up until that last part. That kind of spoiled it for you. But what did you like about it? What was.
1: Um, <laughs> ironically, what I like is probably what you didn't like. That was probably your gripe. Um, because I really like the theme, I really like the idea. I. I can't think, I know there's there's one that it's kind of rattling around in my brain, like one movie that does a similar um, type of uh, theme, I know there's more than that, but it just does not, that theme doesn't get old to me, because I feel like it's, it's still not, corrected in our society. Like if something's not corrected, then I think it's good to continue to talk about it. Uh, even if it's been done in different ways, especially because it relates to me more than it's going to relate to you. So you may not have the same feelings towards it or the same, uh, even just ways that you can relate personally to situations like even there's scenes where men are trying to get in the house you know they're like putting their arms in or they're trying to break down the door or they're breaking a window and stuff like that is horrifying to me that's a
0: very big fear for you and
1: I have nightmares about that kind of thing so like
0: I learned after we first got married like how important it was to you to, for me or you to check all the the doors yeah to make doors sure need locked, to be locked and...
1: garage needs to be closed yeah. <laughs> and then I was sleeping on the side of the bed yeah. that was closest to the door and I was having repetitive nightmares about being able to see through the door into the kitchen where men are walking around and whatever like we don't need to go into all that but so I had to switch sides of the bed now I, like, I get
0: to be on the murder side of the bed
1: as you should be.
0: <laughs> well, it's like, it's the sidewalk rule, you know? Yeah. Like where men are supposed to, the chivalrous thing for a man to mm-hmm. do is walk closer to the traffic where he'll get hit. Right. And brunt the and then force. And his body
1: will or he'll be chucked th- into the woman yeah. and kill her instantly.
0: Well, the, I guess the idea is that at least he'll be like an airbag that collapses into her and she's, she's getting hit by just 250 pounds of, of flesh. <laughs> But not right. two tons of steel.
1: Right, right, right. That's nice. Yeah. But anyway, um, there are certain fears and experiences that I don't think men will be able to understand. I'm not saying oh, to- all men. But I'm just saying. You heard
0: it here. Elise <laughs> no. says not all men.
1: No, I'm just saying, you know, I have I was telling you this even just coming out of the theater Situations that you don't even think about, like taking the trash out at night or taking a walk in your own neighborhood. You know, you're fearful that something could happen or someone could run at you or whatever. It's just there's things that are in your brain that a lot of men don't even think about, sure. don't worry about, blah, blah, blah. So I like the theme and the basic idea of pointing out just kind of this imbalance that we have of men continually not understanding or causing harm and not being willing to look at that and be open to hearing about it and changing. They just want to keep expecting things, keep asking more, keep gaslighting all those all that stuff so
0: and so in some sense i think you'd say like even if you did feel and i don't think you did even if you did feel like the theme or the metaphor was heavy handed because we live in a society where women are still so at risk and this is like a continuing problem like hey maybe it's good that this is more clear and heavy handed and it's not kind of subfused in the background yeah. because
1: we got to make it simple enough for the men. to understand. <laughs> yeah. Well there, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> hey, maybe that, Hey, you know, that's a good critique. Maybe that's why Garland did it this way where it was like very obvious in the metaphor because even men <laughs> could get yeah. the subtleties of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's, I definitely understand there's an experiential component to it that I just couldn't understand.
1: Yeah. And I think, for example, the young teenager, well, you know, the the person shifts. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But um, the one of the men who ends up being the teenager puts his hand through the mail slot. She stabs him. You know, we talked about that. Yeah. And then later he's in the house saying, like, look what you did to me and showing her his hand. And so stuff like that, obviously... That's a very specific situation, but it applies to a lot like being told, you did this, you did this, even though they can't see what they've caused, how they got themselves into the situation that forced your hand to do such and such, whatever. Yeah. So him trying to break into her house, well, now it's her fault that she cut his arm.
0: Yeah, that she defended herself and hurt him. Right.
1: So stuff like that, obviously, that is what it is. Yeah. But it relates to a lot of bigger pictures as well.
0: Which I feel like a lot of friends of mine that are women and um, have been dating recently or or just stories I hear from uh, women today is that the expectation of men is like, you'll just, you just have to accept me. Like, there's never like the only person that's allowed to decide compatibility is me and you can't reject me. And if you do, um, one of the manipulative tools that gets used a lot is like, you're hurting me. Why are you doing this to me? Like, and then, and then, or
1: even fear of, I reject you. You're going to hurt me. Yeah. Out of anger.
0: And so you see that, I think with her husband, James, he does the worst of both things when she says like, I'm my own person and this marriage isn't working um, and you need to give me boundaries. Not only does he physically assault her, does he punch her in the face? And like, does he attack her for being different from him and wanting her own space and ultimately wanting divorce? But then when that's not effective, Mm -hmm. um, then he goes and hurts himself, kills himself and then blames it on her.
1: To so, cause her the most emotional yeah. damage.
0: So the like the way that that works out is that he'll hurt her or himself, whichever causes her the most grief and problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the and that's a very common thing um, with a lot of insecure um, men in our society. Unfortunately, that's like a learned pattern of behavior and it's really bad and awful and disgusting yeah but it's very unfortunately all too common story so i i totally can appreciate um if you or another woman watched this movie and it resonated with them more experientially so yeah
1: and you know we also watched a youtube video and um the, I really liked the guy, but he made one comment. that something like, you know, I don't relate to any of this stuff. Like, I would never do any of this stuff. And I'm like, that's kind of the whole point, though, is that yeah, you think you're not part of the problem. You think that you don't contribute at all. And that's the issue. It's, you know,
0: um, it's the guy from what's the first Jordan Peele movie? Not us, but. um, Oh, get out. Get out. Uh, says, no, I was telling
1: you to leave. <laughs> okay, I'm done talking to you.
0: Uh, you got me. Thank you. Um, it's the guy from Get Out that says, I would have voted for Obama a third time. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, that kind of like, he. it's funny. Are you talking about the first guy that we watched? Mm-hmm. The dude in the yellow shirt?
1: Yeah, which um, I liked him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was good. He made good points. But he did kind of make fun of Jeffrey for white knighting this woman. And then he kind of like white knights himself by being like, I would never be like any of these guys. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the problem is that maybe men don't even see, uh, you know, they know they're probably not doing something good, but they don't even see how problematic or terrifying that is for a woman to experience. Like,
1: And you kind of said this, but being open to hearing about it, allowing there to be like an open door policy, like, I, you know, I'm willing and able to hear if there's something I'm doing that's offensive and I can comprehend that and talk about it and apologize for it versus just no, I'm not part of the problem. I've never, I would never do that. Yeah. I've never thought that I would never tell anybody that I would never do that. It's just.
0: And like, we all know that throughout our lives when it comes to different people or, you know, that are just different from us, different life experiences, we won't always understand them or where they're coming from. And we'll have to like listen to what they say and to learn to adjust because we may not be doing behavior that's intentionally bad mm-hmm. or malevolent or um, or like hurtful, but we need to listen, be humble enough to listen, and like really believe people when they say like, "Oh, that's not a good thing to say," or "That's not a good yeah. thing to do." Yeah, and that's really the difference. Not that you know anybody's perfect out there, um, but like you know the importance of listening. And learning. I feel like I'm like I'm slipping into the sort of like, you know, the the liberal social justice warrior type. Like the parody that's almost like I I just sat down and listened to this person. Yeah. I'm not trying to be that guy either.
1: I have I'm laughing because I have in my mind like times that you know you tell someone older, like from the boomer generation, you say like, hey, just so you know, Try not to ask that kind of question or try not to say that really in that way or whatever. Like you're trying to help them. Yeah. Because you you have friends that are being hurt by things that they're doing and saying and they're just like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Get over it. They just don't care. Yeah, they just yeah. don't care.
0: Well, I, I think it's – it's you know, that can go both ways in some sense. Sure. Where it's like different generations don't understand. I, one of the things, I you know, working in the service industry for a few, few years, like I really – came to understand, understand like, you know, what is the worst thing that you can do to a person that's trying to make ends meet, just work at this job. And so I've learned, and I think it's good for a lot of people, if not everybody, to work several years, food industry, service industry, retail, so they can see what it's like um, to be in those positions and be more empathetic to people that have so often so little control Mm -hmm. over, you know, if your food is on time or if they have that product <laughs> in stock or whatever. Yeah. But I, I remember I have said to people like, oh, you know, like maybe the way that you're saying that sounds like a little rude and like they're just trying their best. And, you know, I, I've been rude before, too. And so I'm not like saying I'm better than all those people because I'm not. Um, but yeah, it is. That's.
1: But it's just that when you can't relate to an experience you just see it from your side and you just think, oh, well, what I think is fine and it's fine for me to say this and it's fine for me yeah. to do this because I'm a good person yeah. and I know that I don't mean any harm. Yeah.
0: Humility is so important in being open to yeah. changing and growing. and But that's tough like for everybody, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was your like about it. That's oh, where we were. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, just side note. I also just liked the surrealism and just that it was overall spooky. Yeah. I liked that. That was just, that's just a smaller little tidbit.
0: Yeah. I, uh, for me, I guess my greatest like was the performances. Um, um, Harper was great. Um, and really it's kind of her movie in a sense, like where she's having to do most acting. I was just,
1: as you said that, I was just thinking that, the guy Jeffrey had more lines, played more parts. I was actually, it's, I was kind of really thinking all about too. him than it is about her, which maybe and, is more of the irony.
0: But yeah, maybe that's the meta level thing. Like it's a movie that's critiquing men and showing how they kind of <laughs> boss everybody around and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, she was great, but that's actually one of the main likes I was going to say is that I just liked all of his different performances
1: <laughs> because
0: <Boo. laughs> see, he, he just i know it's, it's awful no i know his, his performances are he good. disappeared into every one of those characters really well mm-hmm. and um and when i looked at whoever he was playing in that moment that's who i saw him as even if there was three or four of him in one scene together whenever it you probably didn't
1: my- think that with the teenager though
0: that's the one thing I was going to say.
1: Because he looked...
0: So, so, first of all, like, I think of the bar scene or the pub scene. Um, the bartender just seems like this kind of blue collar, you know, doesn't really care what people are talking about in the bar, just trying to get through the shift kind of guy. And then the cop comes in and seems, like, really reserved and quiet. And then um, and then Jeffrey, the the caretaker, is, like, this really kind of, like, nerdy and, like, awkward. And, and it just cuts back and forth between all those guys and they... You, they all have the same face because it's the same, is the same actor, but the characters seem so different. They seem like different people. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's, yeah, not easy to do. Um, I know that Tatiana Maslany does that in Orphan Black, that mm-hmm. television series where she has to play a lot of different roles.
1: That made me think of Split.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Which yeah. I thought
1: he did a great job doing that.
0: Oh, what's that guy's name? James. Tumner. I just always think of him as Mr. Tumnus. James McAvoy.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so that's always kind of interesting to see people. Oh, United States of Terra. Um, oh, gosh, what's her name? The mom from Hereditary. It's so embarrassing that I can't think of her name.
1: We're struggling a lot with names. Oh, gosh. I can not remember Midsummer either.
0: Pause. Let me grab my phone.
1: Oh, pause
0: oh tony collette yeah tony collette in the united states of terror where she has like multiple personalities and becomes different characters that's always interesting to see actors or actresses um inhabit those different things Mm -hmm. so that's that's always fun to see that kind of um those kind of performances where you're different characters and the same film or tv show or whatever um, yeah, the one exception to his disappearing into the role, and it wasn't his fault so much as I think it was a CGI problem. He played, uh, I don't know, I'm guessing a teenager or like, like preteen. You can never tell. Um, it was uh, his face um, CGI'd onto like a child actor's body and it looks so unnatural. Like early 2000s, late 90s special effects, that it it broke the illusion to me. When I saw it, I was like, I almost laughed because it just looked not good. And so I understand that probably... My
1: brain wasn't processing it when it first showed up. I just, I was like, what is happening here? And you were like, that's just bad CGI.
0: Yeah, and, and I think maybe part of what the reason for that was is they sunk all of their money probably into that last scene um which mm. I feel like we should talk about in just a minute um
1: before we get there I have one more thing yeah,
0: yeah. I think I'm I'm done that the, the teenager I? is like yeah that was the one kind of um fourth wall not fourth wall breaking but it ruined the illusion of the movie yeah
1: I was just going to say that all of the men in the movie have pretty obvious ways that they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, But the most interesting person is kind of the main guy, Jeffrey, who is the one that owns the estate. And he turned out to be interesting because he's just always so nice and generous. And he's kind of, like you said, nerdy and awkward and, you know, just – makes you uncomfortable but in like a he's just he's just a shy dude type of way um and then at the end she accidentally hits him with her car while she's trying to escape and he turns into a maniac at that point like yeah. just overcome with rage dragged her out of the car by her hair and you think he just Leaves her there, but then he turns around, comes back, and's chasing her down with the car, trying to, I mean, just absolutely wreck her. Um, so I, I mean, I just found that interesting that the one guy that you really think, I mean, I know it's like kind of problematic because he's so chivalrous that it's even like against her own will, but. Overall, or it's like
0: very degrading. Like he,
1: yeah, you can't do this. Let me do this. Yeah, thing or yeah. Whatever. Like he,
0: he's not like again. He's not malicious. Yeah, but he just doesn't really look at her as competent or independent.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then he turns out to be the one that's trying to run her over with a
0: car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just, just as violent as the other guys. Yeah.
1: So I just I found that to be just an interesting little bit when we're talking about all these different characters he's playing, that there's one essentially good guy that turns terrible the minute she does something to him accidentally. So that's interesting. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the birth? Yeah,
0: I guess we should do that. Or did Um, you want to,
1: what's next on our- The
0: tropes? But I think we should discuss the birthing scene. Okay.
1: Let's discuss the birthing that is, scene. Because um,
0: that's the pinnacle of the movie. It's the climax. It's the mm-hmm. denouement. Um, and it's such a shocking scene. So, I mean, long story short, after she gets attacked by the guy in the car and she barely escapes. Um, and then stepping out of the light, stepping in front of the headlights, is the original man that she saw at the very beginning. Um, The one that was in the tunnel and he's gone from being just sort of a naked stalker to like being he looks like kind of like, you know, plant like almost his face is totally green and he's got thorns on his skin. He's he's completely naked and he is like it looks like some kind of almost pagan deity, like Pan or something. Like he's yeah, because there were kind
1: of cuts in certain formations on yeah, his body, like
0: very druidic, like primitive, like representing, like I guess, like some earth spirit or something. And and so he's kind of the most ominous and foreboding figure in the film. And as he starts to step towards her, then his leg breaks just in the way that her fiancé did. That was really gruesome. And then he falls over and all of a sudden it's apparent that he's pregnant. And he lays back and gives birth. And it's like a very gratuitous, it looks like a human being giving birth. A human woman giving birth. And he gives birth to a man that is like a full-grown, it's like, it's one of the men it's one of um uh rory kinnear is one of his characters not anyone in particular Mm -hmm. and then he comes out all bloody and stuff and then suddenly he collapses to his knees and he's pregnant and he gives birth and there's a series of like four or five births where she's slowly backing away the
1: next guy gives birth out of his back
0: yeah and it's like gets more grotesque and gruesome and it's like this from kind of being like where he like nature is giving birth to it's like almost evolving or molting or something, but like the scent, and it's always like in total agony and you get, I, at least I interpreted after all the men in the movie had said like, look what you've done to me or like, you know, look how you've hurt me. These, these line, this line of men birthing men, um, they don't say anything, but they kind of scream and look at her. And I, I got the sense that they were blaming her for the pain or the agony that they were in. And she's just kind of like in shock and slowly backing away. And she backs into the house and they like follow her all the way back into the house. And this like ever, <laughs> this everlasting line of, of birth until the final one is um, her um, ex-husband.
1: First of all, he gets birthed out of someone's mouth.
0: Oh, yeah, these feet.
1: feet start feet, coming up yeah. through the mouth. I mean, do you see how like this is just like, yeah, it's we just don't really
0: gruesome. This. And it's like it's 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 uh, it's visually impressive uh, just from the standpoint that it looks so. I'm not sure if realistic is the right word, but it looks like they put all of their CGI budget into that sequence. Mm-hmm. And it's the most disturbing. It's the most mysterious. It's the most graphic and violent, and um, it's probably like this, the kind of core, you know, symbol of the movie. But anyways, the last one to be birthed is not Rory Kinnear's character, uh, whichever man he's playing in that moment. It's her husband, um, and uh, he comes and kind of collapses on the couch, and she sits next to him. She's holding a hatchet like she's going to defend herself. And they're talking and and she just essentially says, what do you want from me? And he says, your love. And it kind of shows her like looking at the axe and then it cuts to black and it's like the, the title card comes up, men, like the movie's over. And so you get like that's the, that's the predominant metaphor. What does he want? What do these men want? They want her love no matter what the cost is. Even if they're manipulating and gaslighting and attacking her and like forcing her into loving.
1: Well, and it sounds so simple, right? To just be like, Oh, all I want is your love.
0: Yeah. And so
1: that no one could be like, you're asking too much.
0: Sure. (laughs) But it is demanding and it is, it's not a, but it doesn't sound like it is. Yeah. It's it, but it's not a consensual love. It's like, it is love under duress Mm -hmm. and that's not true love. Mm-hmm. and um and so it sounds like it's harmless and innocuous but it's really sinister and dark mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um and so that is i mean it is such a graphic and jarring scene that i won't soon forget it and probably won't forget this movie simply because <laughs> of the that scene but is there anything in that that you've thought was striking or we should make note of or
1: within the birthing yeah
0: within there is there anything about that that
1: well i hated it but <laughs> yeah. i mean i do think just the final guy being james her ex husband or i guess deceased husband whatever um and her sitting next to him on the couch like you can tell she feels more comfortable you know she just watched all this crazy stuff happen and she's backing up and she's getting the hatchet and all this stuff.
0: Maybe like a Stockholm syndrome, like the captor that she's most familiar with at yeah. least makes her feel comfortable.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there could also be a whole thing about why do women stay in abusive relationships? I mean, one reason could be because they'll regret it. You know, the, the men will make them regret it by trying to leave. But another thing is just that, that's what's familiar, yeah. you know, and not that you want to be in that situation. You don't at all, but there's so many limitations that you have and you've been with this person for a long time and it's just like, well, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's comfortable even when it's uncomfortable. So yeah. I don't know if that's part of it, but, um, but yeah. And then just him asking for only her love just, I think is so, I think that within itself is gaslighting because you're saying you're not addressing all the harm that you've caused. You're not, you don't even care to hear why she's, you know, restricting her love from you or whatever. You don't care about any of that. You say, oh, I just want your love. That's all I want, which is just very manipulative.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to make her feel insane for rejecting something so innocuous and even good
1: well and even trying to to turn into or key into like the maternal side of women like just love me and just comfort me and do things for me like you should want to do that for me don't you love me you know just that whole yeah totally thing so that's all i have to add about that scene in so particular
0: that is a i i'd love to to hear from our audience If you guys read that a different way or understood that, or maybe you saw different themes or metaphors um, in this that we didn't touch on. I'd love to hear. I think we both would. um, Yeah. What you guys think about that.
1: Yeah. We didn't do our last thing, though. Well, that's what I was going to say next. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Well, we didn't. Wait, first of all. Sorry. We did not have any animals, did we?
0: Yeah. Let's do our scaredy cat segments right now. Okay, so zero animals in this movie I'm pretty sure. Oh, wait, no. Oh. There was oh. a dead deer in the woods.
1: And a dead bird.
0: Oh yeah, dead but bird, who cares? dead deer. You never saw them alive though. And so even the bird yeah. which crashed into the window allegedly, yeah. it's still not clear yeah. if that was really what happened or not. Right. Um, and this attack on her. But uh yeah, so you don't really get any animals in this. So it was just women that are being. Men are the
1: animals. Yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. There you go.
1: I found the connection.
0: Well, and and the uh, and the the sort of green man, as I have heard him called, that kind of primordial whatever he was, mm. he almost seemed like animal, like beastly, totally naked, and almost like looking, you know, at her as if you know he didn't. He
1: kind of had claws. Yeah. As yeah. Well. Just oh, long nails.
0: We should probably mention this, but you know, one of the beginning scenes of the movie is she literally comes up to this paradise estate, sees an apple tree, and grabs an apple and oh. takes a bite of it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there's this whole element too of like, you know, the religious critique. This is, I don't think, as you know, as a as a as a studier of the Bible and as a pastor, I don't think what Genesis is saying with Eve partaking the fruit is that everything is woman's fault i think mm-hmm. that's a bad reading of genesis but i think that's traditionally how that passage has been used in really harsh patriarchal contexts so sure. i thought that was an interesting that's an interesting image uh that i didn't want to let get away from us but. yeah yeah but in terms of tropes did you have anything that stood out to you that felt like
1: my trope well it was kind of hard to find one honestly because I didn't think it was that tropey, but if I had to pick a trope, it would be the situation where there's something lurking outside and the person inside keeps like almost seeing it and keeps turning around and in the, the house. Saying, and the audience yeah, is always seeing it. And the audience like, it's right, there, it's right there, it's
0: right that's there, it's right there. That's a good one.
1: And they just happen to turn a certain way that they never catch it, blah, blah, blah.
0: Oh, yeah. And so that was when this guy, this naked man was kind of looking at her through her house windows and she was giving a a FaceTime tour to her good friend of the house. And you thought, oh, her friend's going to see it or something. And that never, you know, that's what I thought.
1: We forgot to mention that her friend comes at the end.
0: Oh yeah. After the title card. It's revealed
1: that her friend is pregnant and she smiles at her. And then that's when it really ends.
0: So maybe that there is, I guess that's implying there's some hope for New life or something beyond the death she's experienced. I guess that's how you can interpret that. But
1: Yeah, that's probably open for interpretation.
0: And we're not going to get into that because we're pressing our time as is.
1: Okay, what's yours then?
0: My trope. Okay, so I have a, this is my pride and joy on Letterbox.
1: We've discussed this, I think, on um,
0: here. I don't, well, maybe we have. Just it, give a reminder. It's a list that I came up with. Um, I'd noticed in movies that a lot of times there'd be whistling tea kettles and people would pour them, but they wouldn't drink them. So I created a list of movies where this phenomenon occurs called movies with whistling tea kettles that some that they sometimes pour but never drink. Um, and I, I was able to add men to this list because they did have a bubbling tea kettle that was not whistling. And she poured a cup of tea and she walked all around the house with this guy as he gave her the tour and she never took one sip. And so I was so excited to add this to my list. I've now got 20 films on the list.
1: First of all, I I need to just make sure everyone knows that I keep you on track of this list because you forget all the time and I'm like, hey, hey, add this to your list. Oh, totally. So you'd probably have like five if it weren't for me yeah. reminding you. Yeah,
0: she um, is the one that keeps me on track for that. I also have a list that I haven't seen something for this in a while. Um, it is... Movies that open with Bible citations. So, oh, yeah. So that's one. I've only got like three or four on that. There's tons of movies, but I just haven't... We haven't watched any recently.
1: But back to the tea thing. Yeah. I think this movie wins an award for like the longest time that anyone's holding the cup and never drinking it because they did a full house tour. Like she got her tea when she first walked in. They chatted for a little bit, went through the whole house... And in every scene, she's just holding it with it's both like seven hands or eight in front of her chest. It's like seven or eight minutes and she's holding
0: that. And she never took one sip. It was unbelievable. That's
1: what I'm saying. Like, that should win an award. Yeah. That's like the longest. I don't know if you can manage your list that way, but that should be at the top.
0: I probably can add some notes in, but.
1: So anyway. That's, so that was that's my a good trip. one. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that concludes uh, our review, I guess you could say, or our discussion. Commentary. Our commentary on, I almost said the Book of Men. Not the Book of Men. The movie.
1: You're trying to make it too biblical.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I heard the word commentary maybe in one <laughs> Bible brain. Um, so that's our, uh, uh, our words spoken on the movie Men. We'd love to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, Let us know if you liked it. Let us know uh, if you had some different interpretations that were better than ours. It's very possible, especially me. We're
1: open and we're We're, humble.
0: We're open and we're humble. That's the one thing we learned about this movie, from this movie.
1: (laughs) You. You Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. I learned nothing. I can't wait to talk about another movie where I don't feel like I'm in the hot seat.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you have to admit, this movie is... All about you guys. That's true. So Is not every movie, am I oh right, ladies? Oh, gosh,
0: yeah. Men's History Month is every month.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> Don't bring that up. So, if you want to contact us, you can email us at happilyscariedpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet us, we're at happilyscared. Instagram us at podcast. And letterbox, we are at happilyscared.
0: So, folks, if you want to reach out, please reach out to us. I think next time we're going to try to talk about Firestarter, which Mm -hmm. we just watched the Drew Barrymore uh, version from 1984 or 1986. I can't quite remember. Um, And we'll maybe let that inform our take. But we're going to talk about the new Firestarter with Zac Efron, who is Elise's. Her eyes just lit up. It's her favorite (laughs) actor in all of Hollywood.
1: You wish I looked at you like that.
0: Yeah, I wish that I got the Zach Efron look. <laughs> um, but we'll be talking about that next time. All right, Elise, do you have anything you'd like to tell our listeners before we go?
1: I hope you all live happily scary after.
0: There you have it, folks. We'll see you next time.